Welcome to this week's episode of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So, All right. In today's episode, we're going to start previewing all of the divisions in the NFL for fantasy. We'll take a look at the AFC and NFC East today. So two divisions, we'll look at some of the players for fantasy, I guess what our thoughts are on them heading into the 2022 fantasy season. And then we'll jump right into the NBA playoffs for big time basketball and the NHL playoffs for everything NHL. So yeah, let's just hop right into it. Um, We'll start with the AFC East and we'll start with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Let's take a look at some of their players. We'll start with the quarterback position. We have Josh Allen here, uh, currently on Fantasy Pros consensus rankings for half PPR. He's the number one quarterback going off the board. I guess give me your thoughts on Josh Allen. Uh, do you think he should be the top quarterback? What do you think about his production heading into this coming season? I think basically based on how they um, structured the offense around him, um, his usage rate, he runs and he passes a lot. So um, obviously the Bills depends a lot on Josh Allen, so obviously that's going to make him really high. I think first should be probably where he goes on the board. Yeah, considering he was the first quarterback to finish number one in back-to-back seasons, I think in the history of fantasy football, if I'm not mistaken, like you got to just take him at number one. The only thing that probably would derail that is an injury, and if not, yeah, he could finish three years in a row. Definitely uh, agree with that opinion. Um, Getting to uh, their next position, and that's uh, running back. This one's a little bit more up in the air. I mean, you got Devin Singletary there. You have rookie James Cook. You got Duke Johnson, Zach Moss. Like, there's a whole bunch of bodies just uh, in that position for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on it, because I know Devin Singletary, he's ranked around the 31st running back off the board in fantasy. Um, and then like their other running backs are further down, like cooks going off at like 40 on average. And then you got like the others, like way further down, I guess. What are your thoughts on that position? Honestly, because, um, Josh Allen does so much, um, the rest of the running backs, they're probably gonna be fighting for, um, touches in the ball. So Honestly, other than Devin Singletary, I'd actually stay away from the rest of the running backs, even um, based on where they are on the board. Um, If I saw them, I just wouldn't draft them personally. Singletary, he might actually um, be lower than 31st, not because he's not talented, but Josh Allen just does so much on the football field that there's not really too much that running backs can do there. Yeah, I was going to say, when it was just Singletary and Moss, we were staying away from that backfield. I know Singletary had that emergence last year, but this backfield's even more crowded. We just talked about all the running backs there. I'd probably take him as like a flex option or like a bench running back, to be honest, because I don't really think that he's, uh, I like you mentioned, like Allen's taking all of the touches there. Um, then you got Cook in there. What if he emerges as the number one? You know, then you draft a Singletary really early. I think he's someone that you probably should take lower uh, than he's currently ranked. Um, I guess we'll bounce to wide receivers now. You got Stefan Diggs there. 
Gabriel Davis, those should be the top two. And then you got like guys like Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie. Um, they drafted uh, Khalil Shakir um, this year. Uh, they have a few guys. Uh, I'll just take a look at their rankings. So uh, in terms of wide receivers, um, you have Stefan Diggs is sort of the fifth guy off the board right now. Then uh, as you go further down, Gabriel Davis, he's like around 36. So he's like a like between wide receiver three and four in like 12 team leagues. And then you go even further than that. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's no one else. I think Crowder's like 70th off the board or something like that. So I guess what are your thoughts on their wideouts? I think for their wideouts, you might want to take um, more of their wideouts depending on how deep your league is. Uh, I mean, obviously, Stefantix, he's top five. You could argue he's top three, but all the guys that are top five are really good, so it's going to be hard to tell right now. Um, I think the rest of the guys, like Gabriel Davis, Jameson Crowder, you could probably draft, try to draft them as late as you can, and then they'll give you, uh, I guess, a lot of um, value at wide receiver. Yeah, I think I agree with that for the most part. Stefan Diggs, um, he is a top... Uh, 12 wide receiver so he'd be like your first wide receiver on your fantasy team if you take him should be able to live up to the production I know he did have a down year last year compared to his season before but so he should come uh, around the middle between those two seasons at the end of the 2022 season uh, barring any injuries so um yeah uh, you should be able to get good value out of him I guess Gabriel Davis I might rank him as like a wide receiver for like flex option type deal because um, if you sort of reach for him and then he doesn't get the targets or, or whatever, then, or, or like Crowder becomes that like Cole Beasley type guy, then you've sort of reached for Davis, right? I think Crowder is pretty good value uh, considering he is talented still, and he is getting that Cole Beasley role in the slot. So um, yeah, I think uh, you sort of get a value uh, with Jamison Crowder all the way down at 70. Um, Gabriel Davis, he had those like pop games where he had like two touchdowns and stuff but that's not going to happen every week so he might be like a boom bust type option if that makes sense i guess what are your thoughts yeah i guess for someone like gabriel davis he, you probably want to skip out on drafting him and then kind of like play the waiver wire so you might be there you pick up one he does really well and then you kind of pick up someone else after yeah, like uh, depending on the size of your league, if he's on the waiver wire, he's like one of those guys where if like Diggs is not playing, uh, stuff like that, then you definitely like, like I mean, he is projected to be the wide receiver too, but we don't know yet because he's never had that role before. So if they give that role to him, then he definitely should be drafted. He shouldn't be on the waiver. But yeah, like you said, we definitely have to see how he plays and then sort of go from there. Um, getting to tight ends, I guess you got Dawson Knox, you got OJ Howard. So um, after the breakout last year, they got Knox ranked at number 10 off the board for tight ends. And then if you go down, you have OJ Howard around 31. I guess in my opinion, Howard would probably be on the waiver wire. And then Knox would be your main tight end if you in like a 12-team league. I guess what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, you wouldn't want to draft like a tight end too mainly just because tight ends in general don't get enough touches. So if you get a tight end too, they're probably not even going to be playing a lot of games. So yeah, you'd want to kind of play the waiver wire for tight ends in general. For Dawson Knox, um, yeah, I think 
maybe want to drop them maybe a little bit later than 10, but we'll have to see. Yeah, considering that the Bills didn't use him as much the year before, his product his production might not spike as much as it did last season. So maybe the expectation should be a little bit lower than where he's ranked. But yeah, we'll definitely have to see about that. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on the Bills before we move on to the next team. I think do you think they're gonna win this division? Do you think they'll finish second, third, fourth? I guess what are your thoughts? It's gonna be um a little bit tougher because obviously the Dolphins and the Patriots are on their heels, but I think the Bills still have a chance to kind of make it first. I think if they don't make it first, they'd probably be second just because um, the Patriots are still rebuilding. Obviously, they're having um, a good, I guess, a pretty good rebuild so far, but I think I'd like the Patriots to kind of, I guess, put in some more work over time and then we'll be able to see if they can take the division. Yeah, I was going to say, barring any major injury, this team is definitely talented enough to finish first in the division. Considering they upgraded their defense, they bring in like Vaughn Miller. Um, they're going to get Tredavious White back from injury, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they're definitely, they definitely have the talent to finish first. Um, like I said, it would take a major injury, maybe to a guy like Stefan Diggs or like Josh Allen or like maybe – even on the defense, I think they have enough depth. Like if they had an injury, they'd still be able to finish first. Like look what happened with Trey White. He got hurt, but they still went to the second round of the playoffs. So um, yeah, I think that that's what I kind of see for Buffalo is that it would take something significant for them uh, to not finish first in this division, or it would take a surprise effort by another team. But I think they, they should still still be able to win this division. They're definitely, um, they probably have the most talent uh, considering um, so that, that's what I think about them. Uh, we'll move to the Miami Dolphins. Um, I guess we'll start with quarterback. Uh, it looks like Tua Tagovailoa is going to start. Teddy Bridgewater will probably just remain on the waiver wire um, because Tua seems to be the guy there at this point. Um, I believe he is going around 18th off the board, so like a backup quarterback in standard leagues. I guess give me your thoughts on Tua. I think potentially if you do end up getting him as a backup quarterback, that's going to be a really good deal, mainly just because of the guys that they um, put around him. So if you can get him as a quarterback to definitely try to do that, I feel like his ceiling could be a quarterback one this year, but again, we'll probably have to see. Yeah, I was going to say he has so many weapons around him and he was very serviceable on bye weeks last year. I had him in a league. You could roll him out and still get a decent amount of points because he does have a bit of rushing upside to him. Plus, like, I mean, all the guys around him, like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Gesicki, I mean, he's going to, I feel like he's going to have a great year. So getting him as your backup quarterback is definitely a really solid move um, to do. Uh, you just kind of stay healthy. I know he's had trouble with that a little bit uh, over his college and pro career. So that's the only concern. But other than that, yeah, Tua, Maybe don't take him as your starter. Maybe like a 1A, 1B situation for fantasy definitely would be solid. Uh, we'll get to the running back situation for Miami. you got Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, and Salvin Ahmed. So they're also very packed in their backfield, just like the Buffalo Bills. Um, I guess just looking at the rankings for running backs, I guess their first running back going off the board uh, yeah, it's a lot further down. It's just one below Singletary, and that's where Chase Edmonds is at 32. Um, and then you got to keep going after that. You get Mostert at like 44, 
and then you get Michelle at like 52 and Gaskin at like 60. So, um, yeah, th- these running backs are all over the board. Uh, people don't know what the situation is going to be there. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on the whole situation. I mean, my feeling is that other than Chase Edmonds and maybe Raheem Mostert, if you're in a deeper league, I think I'd kind of stay away from the rest of the guys. I feel like um, the Dolphins, they're probably going to be a more pass-heavy team, and then the run is going to kind of be there to, I guess, mix up the play calling. So, yeah, other than Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, I'd stay away from the rest of the guys. Yeah, this is really tough to dissect. Like, I guess in my analysis in this situation, I look at Chase Edmonds first because he's obviously going to be the guy on, like, passing downs because that's what he's known for. That's what he got paid for. So second, third down situations, if he's got to catch the ball, he's going to be your guy. So if you're in, like, a half PPR or PPR league, that's the guy to draft. Sony Michelle, wherever he's gone, he's found time on the ground. He's found carries. So he might be that first down guy. Mostert's probably the most talented out of the three, but he doesn't seem to be healthy enough to be on the field for most of the year. So that's my only concern. I think Mostert had been in Miami previously and it didn't work out there for him as well. So we'll have to see about that. Then Miles Gaskin was the guy that was the main guy last year. So he's like a wild card. Like he could, what if he remained as the starter? Like we don't know. So Chase Edmonds is the main guy to go with then Michelle, because he has that ability to handle that workload. And then, like I said, the other two are probably just wild cards for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I guess Chase Edmonds is probably going to be the most reliable guy to draft out of all of them. And then for the rest, it's pretty much luck, pretty much. Yeah, honestly, probably stay away from that backfield if you can. Maybe they're all bench guys. That's my opinion. Um, we'll get to wide receivers now for this team. They're very talented. I mean, got Tyree Kill, you got Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson. Um, and yeah, like they have so much talent there. Preston Williams is still there. I mean, yeah, their, their entire team's full of talent. I mean, Tyree Kill, he's going as like what the ninth wide receiver off the board. So if you draft him, he's like your main guy in fantasy. Uh, then you got like Jalen Waddle at like 15. So he'd be like a wide receiver two in like standard leagues. Um, and then you're just going further down. Um, yeah, it, you're probably going outside of like the range of maybe like 70 or 80 um, to find the next one. Yeah, there's not a lot here. I think Cedric Wilson's at like 94 or something. So you're, the main two guys you should be looking at are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They're going early. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, I'm guessing um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they're going to be carrying the offense mainly because they're the two um, most talented players at wide receivers. So obviously they're probably going to be uh, going fairly fast. Um, like you said, Tyreek Hill is a wide receiver one. Jalen Hall is a wide receiver two. The rest, the rest of the wide receivers, um, other than Cedric Wilson, maybe at the end of your draft, I kind of stay away from. But yeah, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, I definitely agree. Tyreek Hill, where like when he was in Kansas City, he always had great production. It might dip a little bit considering his quarterback's not Patrick Mahomes. But then again, he is going to be the main guy. Jalen Waddle's like super talented as well. So, um, 
it's kind of tough. I think maybe I would dial back Jalen Waddle a little bit. He might not be like a wide receiver too. I think maybe he'd be like more of a low to high wide receiver three. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like um, like a high wide receiver two would probably be a ceiling, but kind of depending on how he plays this season, he could be a little bit up and down. So you might want to draft him as like a wide receiver three, and then you'll have um, a really high ceiling for him. I feel like some guys below him, like potentially like a, an Amari Cooper, like a Brandon Cooks in the rankings could end up finishing higher than him. That's like my only concern considering their wide receiver ones in their offense and he'd kind of be the wide receiver two behind Tyree Kill. So I guess that's my kind of thinking about that. Um, we can get to tight ends now. Um, I think the main guy you're looking at is Mike Gesicki because like Smythe and Shaheen really didn't do much last year. Um and I guess looking at where he's going, he's going as a tight end 12. Um, so that's like borderline tight end one to tight end two. Obviously, we don't know how two is going to spread the ball around. So that's my only concern with him. But I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to predict um, where he passes the ball because you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Model. So there's going to be a lot of, um, I guess, touches so I think Gesicki might be a little bit lower than that but in terms of talent he's still very draftable for sure I definitely think he should be drafted maybe if you go with him as your main tight end get uh, someone else that's going to have production behind him in case it doesn't work out like maybe like a Logan Thomas maybe like a uh, Tyler Higby potentially could bounce back this year like someone like that that's just below him like maybe you can grab them as well and yeah, then, then maybe you have that blanket in case he doesn't produce as much as we like. So um, I guess looking at Miami, I guess, where do you see them finishing in the division this year? I think they're probably going to be second in the division um, after the Bills. Yeah, I guess for me, looking at this team, uh, their offense has definitely improved. I think the only question mark for most people is like, how well is Tua going to play? We'll definitely have to see. He has the weapons around him. Um, and then in terms of defense, like, I mean, they are improving up front. Um, their secondary is very good. Uh, guys like Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and others that they have um, is pretty solid. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely have to see. I could see them finishing second or third in the division. Um, it honestly just depends on, like, which quarterback takes the step forward between them and new England. Like if Tua ends up being the better quarterback, they'll finish ahead of the Patriots. But if Mac Jones ends up being the better quarterback, then the Patriots will finish ahead of them. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I feel like this team's success is determined by their offense. Cause we know their defense is very good. Yeah. So I guess, like you said, it's going to kind of depend on Tua. So I feel like, uh, Tua should be taking a step forwards um, this season. So I guess preemptively, I'd still have them as finishing second in this division. Yeah, um, he definitely is in the right position to be able to take that step forward. Like we mentioned, all the weapons that they have. Um, it's just going to depend on, you know, him just being that guy. And I mean, we've seen flashes of it. So yeah, um, hopefully he does develop into that guy and hopefully he does take the ne next step. And then, yeah, I can definitely see the Dolphins potentially even being a playoff team next season. All right, let's get to the New England Patriots now. Um, 
I guess we'll start with the quarterback position. Um, I guess just looking at Mac Jones, um, in terms of fantasy, he's being taken as like the 24th quarterback off the board. Um, so he'd be like a low end quarterback to uh, kind of like a waiver wire type guy, depending on your league. Um, I don't know. I think he should be a little bit higher. Um, I guess with the potential that he could take an, another like next step this season, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he has the talent around him to kind of take the next step. Um, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, um, Hunter Henry. So I think it's, um, possible that he takes the next step. So I'd say, um, especially in the deep league, you definitely want to take him as at least a quarterback too. Uh, in a shallow league, it's going to depend just because of so many good quarterbacks. So thinking in a shallow league, you could still have him as a low end quarterback too. If he's on the waiver wire, still you could probably look for him week one or week two. And then if he has a breakout season, then yeah, I'm thinking he definitely should be a backup quarterback because I guess he has the potential to break out. Um, that's probably where I put him, to be honest, because this New England offense is very run heavy. Um, I guess I'll just use that as a way to get to the running backs now. Um, looking at this team, of course, Damian Harris is there, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, they drafted Pierre Strong. James White is also coming back as well. Um I guess um, just looking at, uh, I guess, where these guys are getting taken off the board. You have Damian Harris going off at like 26, uh, Ramondre Stevenson around 38. And then I guess if you go further down, you get James White around like 56. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on these guys and where they're being taken? I'd say maybe um, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson could probably draft them a little bit quicker for running backs. So maybe in like the fourth or the fifth round, that's possible. Um, the rest of the guys, I'm not really too sure on. I think James White, he should probably be on the waiver wire and then kind of like look for him week to week. And I think that's probably going to be the rest of the guys as well. Yeah, knowing that the Patriots like to run that like running back committee type thing. Um, I'd still draft Damian Harris because he was very productive last year. He was, he, I think he performed around like a running back two level most of the year. So I think where he's being taken is okay around like 26. So he's just like a high running back three. I think that's fine uh, with the production you're going to get from him. Ramondre Stevenson is taking like a high running back four sort of like flex bench option type guy, which is okay. Um, considering they do like to run the ball a lot and there are going to be games where he's going to have a lot of rushing yards. And then James White, he's going to be like a pass catching guy. Obviously, he's not going to be getting the production he had like in his prime. He's just outside of his prime type deal. So, um, but I mean, he is being taken like around like 56. So maybe that's like wider, or sorry, running back like five, like around there. Um, yeah, he's more of like a bench or waiver wire guy. I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Um, he definitely can be productive, but uh, I think he'd be more productive if there was an injury to one of the top two guys or else. Yeah. Those two guys should be drafted and Damian Harris definitely should be very productive for you. I guess getting to the wide receivers. I know you talked a little bit about them earlier. We have Devontae Parker. We have Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, rookie Tyquan Thornton, then Ty Montgomery was signed as well. There's a lot of guys here, I guess, uh, 
how would you dissect them? Um, I feel like in terms of fantasy, a lot of them are in wide receivers. So you don't want to jump any of these guys too early. Um, I think Devontae Parker, maybe one of the fifth rounds, Kendrick Warren, maybe at the end of the drafts. I think the rest of the guys as well, like Jacoby Myers, also end of the drafts. And everyone else maybe off the waiver wire as well. I think in my opinion, you draft Jacoby Myers because he seems to be Mac Jones' favorite target. You draft Devontae Parker because of his talent. And I think the others can probably remain on the waiver wire unless they become productive. Like I think both Myers and Parker are outside the top 50. They're like 51 and 53. Yeah, maybe you could draft them as like a wide receiver four if you want but they're kind of positioned as like fives right now. Um, yeah, that, I mean, Jacoby Myers, he was very productive last year in fantasy. If you rolled him into your flex, like you you were happy. So I think they both should be solid flex options, maybe borderline wide receiver fours or threes. But other than that, yeah, like I s- said, I can't really see any of the others getting there. Um, moving to tight ends, though, of course, you got uh, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. Um, I guess just looking at like their landscape among the tight ends, you got Hunter Henry around 14. So sort of like a backup tight end in like standard leagues. Um, and then in terms of John Smith, he's pretty much like going to be found on the waiver wire in most leagues. Um, Hunter Henry was very productive last year. He definitely was like a top 12 tight end. I guess, what are your thoughts on their situation? I think Hunter Henry could potentially be a top 12 tight end again. Um, Again, looking at the Patriots' depth, they do have some depth, but not to the point where there's no reason to, I guess, not throw to a wide, not to throw to a tight end. So, I, I'm thinking Hunter Henry is still going to be getting a lot of touches for a tight end. So, I'd say maybe a low tight end one, or maybe like a tight end two, or something like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's more of the like passing down tight end while Jonu Smith does like that rushing blocking type stuff uh, from what we saw last season. So um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, Hunter Henry, low tight end one, high tight end two, that kind of thing. If you can get him as your backup, even better. If he's your starter in a deep league, I don't think you're too upset with that because he was very productive last season. Um, I guess your final thoughts on the Patriots, where you see them finishing in this division. Thank you. Yeah, um, like I mentioned uh, just before, second or third, it depends on the quarterback development. Both the Patriots and the Dolphins have great defenses. I'm not concerned about that. Um, Yeah, it's honestly going to depend on which quarterback ends up being better, which one takes that next step. If it's Mac Jones, yeah, the Patriots will probably finish second. Um, If it's Tua, then I think the Dolphins are going to be that second-place team. So for me, it's a coin flip. I'll put New England at second because they're my team, and I'll put the Dolphins at third. But it honestly could go either way between those two, in my opinion. Um, We'll get now to the New York Jets. Oh, we'll take a look at them for fantasy. Start with the quarterback position, Zach Wilson. Um, I guess looking at him in the landscape, he's around where Mac Jones is, around like 23rd or so. I guess, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I guess for the quarterback for the New York Jets, 
Um, probably a backup quarterback is going to be the highest that you take in. Honestly, you could probably let up just fall to the waiver wire. I don't see a lot of people picking him up. So um, if you see him, maybe you have a good week in the first two weeks, you could maybe pick him up again. And he might have a breakout season. But um, considering that the Jets haven't been too successful as a franchise, we'll just have to, I guess, wait and see. Honestly, for me, the only reason why I draft him as like a backup is considering the Jets might have to throw a lot this season if they're down in games. So that'd probably be the only reason. But then again, he threw a lot of interceptions last year. So he'll have to take that next step for me to even consider him. So, yeah, I think I'm right there with you on that. Um, I guess getting to the running backs for the Jets. I mean, Michael Carter did emerge as like the main guy last year, but then they drafted Brees Hall, who's projected to be the starter. Um, I don't think any of the others are going to be relevant. I think it's just going to be one of those two. Looking at where they're going currently in drafts, Brees Hall is going 20th. Um, And then I guess going further than that, Michael Carter's around like 37th. I guess give me your thoughts on their running backs. Um, Brees Hall, I don't really know too much about he's a rookie um i guess a rookie at 20th that's um pretty interesting i personally wouldn't draft him at 20th just because we don't really know how he's going to do in the nfl yet um maybe you could probably try drafting a little bit later at like 30th or like 35th or something and i guess for michael carter um maybe at the tail end of your draft Yeah, I think for me, Brees Hall, he's being taken as like a running back too. I don't know if I can get there with him. I'm considering it could be a split backfield, maybe a running back three. I'd probably just let him as fall as you can, fall as much as you can, just because we don't know what their situation is going to be, whether their offense is going to even be productive like that. I mean, Michael Carter seems to be a value since you're getting him as like a running back four in standard leagues. And he could potentially still keep that starting job depending on how things work, or it could be like a split uh, backfield. So yeah, I think Michael Carter is the more valuable one right now in terms of where he's being drafted. Um, That's probably where I would look and rookies, like we don't know how they're going to produce. So I, I really don't feel comfortable taking him that high considering that there is competition in that backfield. Oh, we'll get to wide receivers now. Corey Davis is there. They drafted Garrett Wilson. They have Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Denzel Mims. I mean, I guess what are your thoughts on all these wide receivers? I mean, it's going to be really tough to see how well they do because we don't know how well Zach Wilson's going to do. So I'd say for any wide receiver, um, don't draft them too early. Try to let them fall as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore's ranked at 29, so it's like a wide receiver three. I think that's decent. Um, that's assuming he is going to get most of the targets, though, because you have Garrett Wilson at 46, um, and then just going further, Corey Davis is around like 60th. So all three of them are in like wide receiver five or higher range, and then after that, um, the others are like way further down, like Barrios like at 85, so probably wouldn't be draftable. Um yeah, honestly, it's tough uh, between these three guys. I might lean with a guy like Garrett Wilson, considering he is a rookie. And um, like I know Elijah Moore, he was decent for part of the year last year, but then he dealt with injuries. 
Corey Davis dealt with injuries as well. I mean, I think Garrett Wilson's probably the value there. I mean, considering that it's just coming out of the draft, he was taken 10th overall. So, I mean, they really have a lot invested in him. I believe it was 10th overall he went. Um, yeah, that'd probably be the best value in that sense. Maybe Corey Davis, if he becomes that true number one, considering what he's being paid. Elijah Moore, it might be a little too high. Maybe you wait and try and get him as a like wide receiver four. But yeah, with this offense, there's just a lot of question marks. Um, I think even with tight end, like you got CJ Uzama, you got Tyler Conklin as like the two main guys. In terms of looking at like where they're going, um, I think both of them are like, they're like a lot further down here. Uzama's at like 32. And then you got like, Conklin at like 38 so they're not even like really draftable I guess what are your thoughts on that yeah I'd say um for either CJ Uzama or Conklin whoever starts um you get them at the tail end of your of your draft if you're looking for a wide receiver that late other than that I guess try not to look there first even though they are talented yeah Uzama might be like a potential breakout guy that you could maybe draft like the end of your draft to be your backup if you really like him but at the end of the day I just can't really see it considering they have so many wide receivers as well and their offense will definitely have to take a huge step forward I mean I still see them as fourth in this division I guess what are your thoughts on that yeah I think they're probably still going to be fourth as well yeah they could improve on their win total from last year but I don't think it'll be enough for them to pass a lot of the deeper teams in this division so yeah, I'd say the Jets probably will stay fourth. Um, that's going to be the end of the AFC East. So let's get to the NFC East now. Um, we'll start with the first team, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, we'll start right at the quarterback position with Dak Prescott. I mean, he's being drafted as the eighth quarterback off the board. I think that sounds about right to me. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he should be around. Yeah, I mean, he's got a bit of rushing to him, passes a lot. He's, he's, he should be your main uh, quarterback if you're drafting a, a number one quarterback for your team. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, getting to the running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. We'll definitely have to see what the split with them is going to be at this year. I think Ezekiel Elliott's all the way down at 19th this year because they don't know whether he's going to be the full number one, which is interesting. And then I guess going further down, Tony Pollard's coming off the board around 33rd. So maybe like a wide receiver or sorry, a running back like three, like a low end one. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I guess uh, because Ezekiel Elliott, he hasn't really been too healthy. You don't want to draft him too early as well. So maybe you let him fall. Maybe I guess an early one, uh, running back three or running back two, Tony Pollard, maybe. Yeah, so um, my guess would be, yeah, maybe not reach for them. Maybe either take them where they are or just let them fall. I think I can agree with that. Um, Elliot, could he finish as a running back one? Yeah, he can, but we just haven't seen it from him lately, so we'd have to see it first. Um, in terms of wide receivers, you got C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, James Washington. Probably C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup are probably going to be the main ones you should be drafting, and they're going to be getting targets, so... C.D. Lamb's going to, as the sixth wide receiver off the board. Um, should he be taken as your first wide receiver? Yeah, I think so. Sixth overall, I just don't know about that. Um, and then in terms of Michael Gallup, 
Um, I think he's coming off the board. Uh, let me see here. Um, I guess a little bit further down. Um, yeah, 48. So he's a low-end wide receiver four. I guess give me your thoughts on these two guys. I'm guessing that's uh, maybe not, I wouldn't say accurate, but CDOM, you would want to take him as a wide receiver one. Um, I think Michael Gallup, I think he's okay, okay where he is. Um, yeah, it's just that I wouldn't um, try to draft CDOM too early. I think Gallup's kind of like a value. He could end up being like a wide receiver three, considering Amari Cooper's not there anymore. I think you could definitely be getting Gallup at a value. So uh, that's something I'd potentially look at. Um, and then I guess getting two tight ends, um, you're probably looking at Dalton Schultz being the main guy because uh, there's not really anyone significant behind him. It looks like Schultz is going off at number seven. Yeah, he'd probably be the main tight end on your team. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess he is uh, by far the most talented tight end there. So he's probably going to be playing playing a lot. So you're definitely going to want to take him maybe as a tight end one potentially. For sure, yeah. Maybe not in the top five, but yeah, sort of where he is, seventh or eighth around there should be good. Um, I guess in terms of looking at Dallas as a whole, I guess where do you see them finishing in this division? Um, honestly, they could probably still end up finishing first. I think for me, knowing this division, they never repeat as division winners. Like it's always a new winner every year. Um, I kind of have a hard time seeing Dallas finishing first. Um, my early look would probably be second. Um, I think this team is good enough to potentially make the playoffs, but it would be as like a wild card. I don't think they'll win the division. Um, yeah, I think potentially I'm, I'm going to have to say second uh, for right now. And then I'll definitely tell you who I think is going to be the team that finishes first, but we'll get to the New York giants now. Um, we'll look at, uh, I guess their team for fantasy. We'll start with quarterbacks. We'll start with Daniel Jones, who should be the starter, although Tyrod Taylor could potentially start. Um, yeah, you got Mac Jones going off the board at like 25th, so he's probably going to be on the waiver wire in most leagues. And then Tyrod Taylor's going off at like 46th. What's your thoughts on the quarterback situation here? Honestly, I don't think I take a quarterback from the New York Giants just because they haven't really been their best lately, so it's best to kind of stay away from the team as a whole. Yeah, Daniel Jones would be like that dart throw kind of guy you could probably pick up off the waiver. But other than that, I definitely agree with you. Um, we'll get to running backs. Um, in terms of the Giants, Saquon Barkley's the main guy there. Matt Breed is there, but I don't think he'll really factor in. Um, I guess in terms of Saquon Barkley, he's going off the board at 15th, so it's not super early like he had been going off in previous years. I think they have him at a decent spot um maybe as like a running back two on your team i guess what are your thoughts i'd see him as running back two for now just because he does have the talent to be running back one but he just hasn't been playing to that potential so until he starts doing that just drop him as a running back two yeah i think i'll agree with you on that uh taking him as a one was felt like too high even last year and it kind of proved that, but yeah, you're right. He does have the talent to be like a solid two for your fantasy team, especially if this offense can take that step forward. 
Um, we'll get now to the wide receiver position. You got Kenny Galladay, you got Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, rookie Wandale Robinson. I mean, there's so many guys here. It's kind of hard to dissect, I guess, where these guys should be going. I guess just taking a look at like where they're going at the moment. Um, you got Kadarius Tony going off at like 49. Um, you got Galladay at 55. And then you got Sterling Shepard at 66. So they're all like wide receiver four or f- actually wide receiver. They're all wide receiver five or six. So they, they're all pretty much bench options for you. I guess, what are your thoughts? I guess that's pretty accurate. Um, mainly just because, again, the Giants haven't been doing too well. So I don't think you'd want to draft any of these guys too early. Honestly, some of them you want to kind of skip out on just because we don't know how well the Giants are going to do this year. I think Kadarius Tony has the talent to be the main guy there, but we don't know how they're going to spread the ball around uh, in, in New York. So he'd probably be the guy that I would target if you want to target someone from the Giants. But other than that, like you said, it's mostly like bench guys or like guys you'd probably stay away from. I'm getting to the tight end position. You got like Ricky Seals-Jones, Jordan Akins. Like you just really don't have a lot to choose from here. I guess in my opinion, they'd be going undrafted. Um, I think the earliest one's coming off the board at like 41 and that's Seals-Jones. So I think it's just stay away from me, I guess. What about you? kind of stay away from the Giants for tight ends as well. Yeah, I'd stay away from the Giants for most positions. I think running back is probably the main one you target them for. But other than that, I think you're 100% right. And I mean, although this team, they have a new coaching staff, they seem decently talented. I think they're going to finish fourth in this division. I know I had high expectations for them last year, but then it kind of fell apart. Um, I think they lost a lot of like pieces that sort of, put that team together and they're sort of trying to rebuild on the fly. Uh, but yeah, I think they'll, they'll spend more, one more league at the one more year in the, uh, in the league at the bottom of their division. So I'm going to go with fourth, I guess. What about you? Yeah, I'd say just keep expectations alone. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, I like some of the talent that they have. Um, yeah, but I just can't get there with this team as a whole. So it'll, it'll be fourth for me for sure. Um, I guess getting to the next team uh, here, that is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we'll look at their depth chart and we'll start with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Um, I mean, he's really going off the board high. He's going off the board at number seven for quarterbacks. Um He's definitely a quarterback one for me, considering his rushing upside. But I don't know if I can get up to seven, considering he doesn't pass like that much compared to some of the other quarterbacks here. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? I feel like seven is too high for him. Um, he does have the talent, but again, the Eagles haven't been playing too well. I mean, they should be better than last year by quite a bit, but I think until we see them. I guess, played at a potential, I'd say he's definitely a quarterback one, just not seven. Yeah, I think maybe like 10th, 11th is maybe a good spot to take him, in my opinion. We'll definitely have to see about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's talented and all, and he does have rushing upside, but at the end of the day, we'll definitely have to see uh, if he's able to pass the ball. Um, 
We'll get to the running backs now. You got Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Like this is pretty much the backfield we saw last season where we didn't know who was going to be starting on any given week. Probably going to be Miles Sanders at the end of the day. Um, He is going off the board. Um, Let's see where he is going off the board, actually. Um, It looks like at 27 is where he's currently going off the board. And then I guess going further down to some of the other guys here, you have Gainwell going off at 51. And then you sort of have Boston Scott at 66. This is a backfield that I would normally say stay away from, but they ran the ball a lot last year. So I think maybe you take Miles Sanders and then the others might be like a dart throw at the end of your draft. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say take Miles Sanders um, in terms of being unhappy. I don't think they'll be at run heavy this year, maybe just because of the wide receivers that they um, brought in. But um, I'd say, honestly, I would wait until the end of the draft. Like you said, maybe dart throw one of them at the end. But I just look at the waiver wire, see if they're still there. Um, maybe just play a week to week. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. I'm- yeah, I think that they won't be as run heavy as they were last year. And yeah, um, we might as well get to the wide receivers. They brought in A.J. Brown. He's going to be the main guy. They have Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins. They brought in Zach Pascal. They have Jalen Rager. Um, I guess looking at where these guys are uh, in terms of where they're being drafted and where they're being ranked, A.J. Brown's the 10th wide receiver going off the board. Um, and then I guess going further down, um, you have Devontae Smith around 33. And then after that, I don't think you get another one of their wide receivers until, oh yeah, a lot further than that. Um, I'm still scrolling and I don't see um, another one. Yeah, Rager's at like 104, Watkins at 108. So yeah, um, these are the two guys you should be taking. AJ Brown's going off as like a wide receiver one. And then you've got Devontae Smith at like a wide receiver three. That's sort of where he was going last year, if I'm not mistaken maybe even a little bit lower than that. I guess, what are your thoughts on them? I think that's fairly accurate. Um, AJ Brown's going to be getting most of the targets. So um, basically just a lot of targets. You get a lot of catches. You get touchdowns. You get yards. So, yeah, that probably make him a wide receiver one. Devontae Smith, I like that wide receiver team as well. And then the rest of the guys just play them on the way to wire. Yeah, I think I agree. They they're drafted in the right spot. They I think Jalen Hurst just needs to throw the ball a little bit more. I'm getting to tight end. Dallas Goddard's the guy there. He might be the main target overall, unless AJ Brown does become that guy. Um, because Goddard got a lot of targets, especially even in the playoffs as well. He was the guy that Hurts really leaned on. He's going off at tight end eight. So if you draft him, he'd be your tight end one, most likely. Um, I, I think he's like perfect right where he is around tight end eight off the board. What are your thoughts? I think that sounds pretty good. I'd say maybe ninth or 10th, depending, but I think eighth is pretty accurate for him. For sure. And um, I guess, where do you see uh, Philadelphia finishing this year? It's going to be a little tough. I'd say maybe at second. Yeah. I mean, this team, I feel like they've gotten better. I feel like that this team could finish first. I mean, um, even on defense, they brought in Hassan Reddick, who's one of the top pass rushers in the league. Uh, they already have Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox there, who are like main guys. And on their secondary, they have like, they brought in Bradbury, 
to be a corner there. You have Darius Slay there. Then their offense got better. They added AJ Brown. Um, I mean, yeah, the, this entire team looks really solid right now. And they even made the playoffs last year and they could be even better in my opinion. So yeah, I think I might put them first just because I think a new team needs to win the NFC East every year. So that's what I'll do with the Eagles. Um, and then we'll get to the last team, the Washington Commanders. Um, we'll start with quarterback there. Carson Wentz is their starter. Um, it looks like he is going off the board around like, what is it? The 26th spot. So he's not really draftable unless you're in a deep league and you take him as like your backup. I think that's accurate until he proves uh, he can still like play really well in that system. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think Carson Wentz, he should still have potential, but I think it's better to kind of wait and see instead of drafting and then you're kind of scrambling for the waiver wire. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's probably the best analysis on the situation. Um, in terms of getting to running backs, Antonio Gibson's going off the board at around 18th. And then after him, I believe it's JD McKissick. Uh, let me see where he's going off the board. It's around 45th. So those would be the two guys. I think they're in the right spot. Like Gibson, he's like the main guy there. McKissick's like the pass catching kind of guy. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Kizik is, I think that he's at the right spot. Um, Antonio Gibson, maybe slightly lower, but I think that's pretty close to where he's going to be. For sure. And I guess moving to the wide receivers, you got Terry McLaurin. They drafted Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel still there. Those are probably like the main guys. Maybe Diami Brown gets in there. Um, I guess just seeing where these guys are going off the board. You have McLaurin going off around like wide receiver 19. And then I guess if you go a little bit further, um, actually not even a little bit further, like a lot further down, you get Jahan Dodson at like 67 and then Curtis Samuel, like 77. So um, I think at this point, McLaurin should be the only guy drafted and he'll probably be like a wide receiver too. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Maybe Curtis Samuel or Jahan Dotson if you think they're going to do well. Maybe they're like last pick or something. But other than that, just go for Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I think that that's where he should be going off the board. Then you got Logan Thomas at tight end. I don't think John Bates is really going to factor in unless there's an injury. Um, Logan Thomas, he's a solid tight end. We'll see how well he does with Carson Wentz. But I think him being at 18 is a little low. I think he should be like around like 14 or 15, considering he's a really solid tight end when he's healthy. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I think he, he could be a pretty solid tight end too. So um, maybe if you try to draft him as low as you can, you end up having tons of value. But I think his ceiling should at least be a tight end too. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's one of those guys, if you have him as your backup, he could become your starter. So definitely something to look out for with him. And then to the commanders, I have them finishing third in this division. Could they win the division? Possibly. They did two years ago. So I guess, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I have them as uh, third as well. They do have some talent there. Um, Carson Wentz, again, does have talent as a quarterback, but he hasn't been doing well so uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, their defense is good as well. I mean, um, they're going to get Chase Young back from injury. They have Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen. 
Um, they have like so many talented guys like William Jackson, Cameron Curl in the secondary. So, I mean, yeah, they have guys there that can play. Um, their offense pretty good as well. Jahan Dodson's a great add there from the draft. Of course, they bring in Carson Wentz. We'll have to see how this offense is. But yeah, I mean, this team, they have the players to be able to play well. We'll just definitely have to see how everything goes for them. And yeah, that's pretty much um, the end of our preview, uh, beginning of our previews for the NFL season for fantasy. So we'll just jump right into some big time basketball now. We'll jump right into the 2022 NBA playoffs. It is the finals. It's Golden State against Boston. Boston is leading the series 1-0 after Thursday's game where they beat Golden State 120-108. to Looking at some of the stats, Al Horford led Boston with 26 points. Uh, Steph Curry led Golden State with 34. Jalen Brown had seven rebounds to lead Boston while Draymond Green had 11 to lead Golden State. Jason Tatum, 13 assists to lead Boston while Kevon Looney had five to lead the Warriors. Give me your thoughts on game one of this series. I think it's it was an incredible start to the series. Um, if I remember correctly, the Warriors were at home, so this makes this win even more impressive. I was actually expecting the Warriors to kind of have the advantage in terms of the offense, and they still have the defense to kind of pull the Celtics off. But um, the Celtics proved that they have a really formidable defense, a defense and a formidable offense. So, um, really impressive job by everyone on the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, looking at the score from this game, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, Boston outscored Golden State 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. Like, you can't be allowing that many points in the fourth quarter if you're Golden State. And they were bricking a lot of shots there in the fourth. Um, I guess potentially looking at next game, I guess what are the odds of them bouncing back? I think the spread on that game is four in favor of Golden State, and it's still in Golden State. I guess, what are your odds on the Warriors bouncing back or have your like senses sort of switched to the Celtics in terms of who to take? I think they could bounce back, but seeing that the Celtics were able to, um, I guess, beat them, I wouldn't take the Warriors as favorites this time around, but maybe throw the Celtics. So like the Warriors could potentially win, but you're saying that they might not cover. Yeah, I think I can definitely get there with you on that. Um, I think that Golden State definitely has a chance to bounce back, but Boston has been playing them well defensively, and Golden State hasn't really been able to match that on their end. So, um, yeah, definitely could be a different game because, I mean, it started out that way. Golden State was leading, but then they let the Celtics come back. So we'll definitely have to see. Um, I, I mean, you might as well just take the points with Boston at this point. And if people keep picking the Warriors, the number could climb to like maybe five or six. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, I guess any final thoughts on this series? I mean, the finals is here. Any other thoughts on, on the playoffs as well? I mean, it's been an amazing playoffs. Um, didn't turn out how I thought it would be. I didn't think um, we'd be seeing Celtics versus the Warriors. Um, I'm thinking maybe the keys for the Celtics to, to win this would probably be um, I guess limiting Steph Curry out rebounding too long. Um, you want to make sure that um, if Draymond or Booney are have the ball, try to get them to shoot because they're um, worse shooters than the rest of the guys on the team. So it looks like that's pretty much what the Celtics have been doing. So if they continue doing that, um, we could see maybe potentially a six or seven game series. 
I was thinking the Warriors would probably take this in five or six games, but it could go to seven at least. Yeah, I mean, considering Boston beat Miami in seven, um, and then they also beat Milwaukee in seven. So Boston's gone to a lot of seven-game series. So if Boston wants to win, they got to win it earlier uh, to avoid that fatigue because Golden State looks a little bit more rested. I think they won every series in like five or six. So, um, yeah, Boston, they're doing a good job so far. Uh, I definitely like the way that they've been playing. Uh, we'll definitely have to see if Golden State will respond in the next game. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much uh, everything uh, for big time basketball this week. So uh, now I'm going to get to you for everything NHL. All right. So for everything NHL, um, we're still in the playoffs, not in the Stanley Cup yet, but um, the teams are playing to get in. We'll start off with the Eastern side of the playoffs. We have the Rangers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Rangers actually managed to take the first game, so that's really surprising. But what are your thoughts on the series so far? I think game two has just finished as well, and the Rangers took that one. So they're up 2-0 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is very surprising. Uh, the Lightning are defending cup champions. Um, I guess looking at the scores from this game, um, Kucherov got on the board for Tampa first, then Keandre Miller and Capo Caco scored for the Rangers to make it 2-1. No goals in the second. Then in the third, Mika's advantage had made it 3-1 for the Rangers. And then Nick Paul scored for Tampa Bay to make it 3-2, but that's how it finished. So I'm kind of surprised by this, how Tampa Bay is just being done in like this by the Rangers. The Rangers they came off back-to-back seven-game series, and Tampa Bay came off of a sweep the last round against Florida. I don't know whether they don't have their legs or what it is, but the Rangers just seem to outskate them, outscore them. And they're getting the better goaltending. Shesterkins look really good compared to um, Andre Vasilevsky. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts so far? I'm really impressed by the Rangers right now. I mean, last season, they were just out the outside looking in to the playoffs. This year, they made it in over the Islanders. They've had a pretty tough bracket so far. They, they faced the Penguins. They beat them in seven games. They faced the Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes were looked really solid this season and last season. And they beat the Hurricanes in seven games, and now they're up 2-0 against possibly the best team in the league at the moment. So, I mean, if you like the dark dark horses, um, the Rangers are definitely a team to watch. Yeah, I mean, um, you definitely have to watch the next couple of games. They are going to be in Tampa Bay. So Rangers kind of did their part by winning the two home games. So uh, if they can take one in Tampa Bay, then I think you're sort of leaning to them taking the whole series. But if Tampa Bay can still tie it up, like, I mean, they're that talented. They're the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. So many things possible. I wouldn't write them off just yet. I know some people definitely will be, but I'm not going to, considering they came back from a 3-2 deficit against Toronto and then they swept Florida. So they're a solid team. They definitely can bounce back. They'll be at home. They're I mean, they're tough to beat at home. Um, I think their only loss at home came one time against Toronto in the playoffs. The, the rest of the playoffs, they've won every single game at home. So, yeah, that's definitely something to look out for. Um, I definitely think Tampa can tie up this series, but if the Rangers make it 3-1, to one, I'm confident that they can win. Yeah, they say never underestimate the heart of the champion. And, I mean, Tampa Bay, they've been down in series before and they've won, so they're not necessarily in anywhere like in a new position 
on paper they have the deeper teams. So I guess this next game is definitely going to be the game to watch to see how the series goes out. But my feeling is that the Lightning they should be able to take the home games, and if if they end up winning all their home games, they'll probably end up going to maybe six or seven games. Yeah, I think I'm going to be right there with you. I'd probably take Tampa Bay for the next game as well. I mean, if you go down 3 nothing, I think the series is done. Like, I don't know when's the last time someone came back from a 3 nothing series. It's been at least 10 years, if not more, since that's happened. So um, Rangers should be good on that end. So I'll definitely take Tampa Bay for the next game. For sure. And going to the Western side of the playoffs, we have the Avalanche versus the Oilers. Unfortunately, um, I guess for the Oilers, the Avalanche are up 2 nothing. I mean, in terms of games, they're up two games to nothing. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, the series is 2 nothing for the Avalanche. They won the last game 4 nothing. Uh, there was no scoring in the first, but in the second period, they got three goals. I believe they were like all two minutes something apart, which is insane. Arturi Lekkanen, Josh Manson, and Miko Rantanen all scored within that time frame, which is pretty insane. And then you got uh, Nathan McKinnon scoring in the third period as well. Um, I mean, they didn't even have Darcy Kemper uh, in this game to play goalie. Pavel Francis. I know we talked about him a lot for fantasy, but he's proving his worth in the playoffs. He got a shutout in his first start. Uh, I believe this is his first start um, in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, this year. So, um, yeah, Avs are looking like the dominant team we've been talking about all year. And, I mean, if the Oilers don't win next game, um, yeah, like we said, this series is going to be done. I'm thinking that potentially, I'm pretty sure that the Avalanche should be in the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm thinking if the Rangers somehow make their way into the Stanley Cup somehow, I don't know how it's going to happen, but if they somehow end up uh, going there, going there, we could end up seeing another seven-game series. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting. I think if we're talking about the next game for this series, I mean, there has to be some life left in the Oilers. Like, I, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like, I think you have to take the Oilers at home. They've been pretty good at home most of the playoffs. So I, I don't know which way you're leaning for, for this. But, um, yeah, if Colorado does go to the finals against the Rangers or against Tampa, whoever Colorado faces if they go to the finals definitely will be a, a good series for sure. I think just because this is pretty much a must win for the Oilers. So I'd say maybe take the Oilers. Um, if they lose this, they basically lose the series. So they're basically fighting the playoff lines. Yeah, I think both the Oilers and the Lightning are in similar positions heading into game three. It's sort of like must win situation for both of them. So I think you got to lean into that. At least one of them will get it done, in my opinion, if not both. So um, that's definitely where I'd be leaning for those two games. And, um, yeah, I definitely think that, um, I mean, I hope the Oilers get at least a, a game and make this a series because I would definitely not want to see the Oilers get swept after everything they've done this year. Yeah, they've had an amazing series. They finally proved that they're a deep playoff team. They went all the way to, um, I guess, the Western Conference Finals. don't know the name specifically, but... Um, they're one step away from the Stanley Cup Finals. They obviously have a really dominant team in the Avalanche. Honestly, the, the Avalanche could arguably be the best team in the Western Conference 
you could maybe put them as like a top five team in the entire league just because of how good their offense is. Bowlers have a good offense as well, but I think uh, defense seems more to be the problem for the Oilers. Yeah, they just, I mean, allowing like what, 12 goals in their past two games, like that, that's not going to get it done. They didn't score any goals in game two. So you can't really pin it on Mike Smith because the Oilers didn't give him any goal support. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the Oilers, they got to start scoring more and they got to keep the puck out of their net. That's, I mean, it sounds simple, but at the end of the day, that's kind of what they have to do if they even want to have a chance at winning this series. I think we have to give um, the Avalanche defense credit because being able to shut up the Oilers, that's no easy to beat, especially considering how talented um, the Oilers are on offense. Yeah, I mean, after allowing six goals in that first game, the defense kind of like was able to shut down the Oilers. They were limiting their chances and stuff. So, yeah, definitely they should get a lot of credit. And I guess what are your thoughts on, um, I guess, guys on the Avalanche's offensive compared to guys like Leon Tricidal or Connor McDavid? Yeah, I mean, guys like McKinnon, Rantanen, even Kadri. I mean, this guy's scoring at an incredible pace as well. And on defense, you have McCarr. Um, all of them, they're they're really look making McDavid and Drysaddle uh, not look too good right now. So, um, yeah, the, you're right. The two guys from the Oilers definitely need to get it going. And I think at home, you could expect probably one of them at least to get a goal. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much do or die. So, hoping uh, Connor McDavid. I mean, he's been having pretty much an all-time great season. So, it'd be nice if puts on another all-time great performance yeah i mean i'm definitely going to be pulling for the oilers like i said got a root for the last canadian team in there being from canada so um yeah mcdavid's one of the best players in the world dry settle as well um yeah when they're playing well they're entertaining to watch so i'm definitely going to be entertained uh, if they win that game for sure i mean maybe it'll be another really high scoring game but hopefully the oilers win this one yeah, hopefully they do. And high-scoring games are always fun to watch. Coaches hate it, but uh, it is fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the four teams that are here, I think they all deserve to be here. I know people are making like stuff about the Rangers, you know, not deserving it. But considering the way they're playing against Tampa Bay, they definitely deserve to be here. Um, any, If any one of these four wins the Stanley Cup, it'll definitely be – um, exciting uh, for Tampa Bay. Of course, it won't be fresh, but um, for any of the other three, it would definitely be a fresh winner for sure. Because I think um, 2001 was the last time Colorado won, and the other two haven't won since the 90s. So, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, the Rangers have really been leading the way to the Stanley Cup. Obviously, they have to face uh, Tampa Bay and beat them first, but. I think I'm really impressed with how well they've been doing. I think arguably you could consider them the underdog for all of their series so far, and they've been finding ways to uh, win in seven games. So I'm just really impressed with the Rangers. Yeah, I think you have to be when you beat Tampa Bay back-to-back games. uh, That's pretty impressive. They haven't uh, lost back-to-back games in ages, so... Uh, especially when it comes to playoffs. So, yeah, definitely very impressive from the Rangers. We'll see if they have any juice uh, left to squeeze once they get to Tampa Bay because I know uh, the Lightning are very tough to beat at home. So I'll definitely be excited for that as well. 
think that's going to be kind of one of the concerns for the Rangers because all their games have been going to seven. I mean, all their series have been going to seven games. So even if they have, that's probably what the Lightning are, are going to be banking on. Um, the Lightning obviously had more of a rest beating Florida um, for nothing. So even, I'd say even if um, they end up being, I guess, leading 3-0, like statistically, the Rangers would probably win, but Lightning would probably still be able to bring it to six or seven games first. I don't think a team has won the Stanley Cup playing 28 games, if I'm not mistaken. So you got to finish some of your series earlier if you want the rest to be able to win the Stanley Cup because 28 games is a lot. Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't know if any sports team has won all their, like, won 28 games to win. Uh, you mean like going so, to 28 games, but yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if the Rangers do it, I'd be really impressed. But honestly, I think if they end up winning this in seven games, I'd probably take either the Avalanche or the Oilers to win the cup. Yeah, I'd probably do the same thing. I think you're right. And I guess that about brings us to the end of everything NHL and the end of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast for this week. If you like what you watched, you can subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, give us a like, uh, give us a review, give us your thoughts on um, the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and um, the NFL offseason so far. If you liked what you listened to, you can follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Apple Music and Google Podcasts. And if you need some sports picks, you can follow us at FanTech Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And see you guys next week. Thank you.